In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. The Christian life is really very simple. You dance when the music plays, and you weep when the tears flow. In the gospel appointed for this day, Jesus could not be clearer. When Jesus laughs, you laugh. When Jesus cries, you cry. When Jesus eats, you eat. When he drinks, you drink. When he loves, you love. When he hates, you hate. And, says Jesus, anything else is an act of violence. I don't know if you've ever thought about your sins that way. That each and every one of your sins is, as Jesus says, an act of violence. Maybe once you have when you punch your little brother in the nose. Or you threaten the valet because he scratched your car. Or you drank a bit too much and roughed somebody up. But have you ever considered that continual whining and pointless gossip and casual lies and habitual miserliness and even just skipping church? What you might consider victimless crimes should actually be feared as much as murder, incest, and idolatry. Why? Because Jesus says that each and every one of your sins does damage to him and his cosmic project. Sin does violence even when you do not see blood. And I can't imagine that violence is what any of you really want. Think of it this way. Once upon a time, Jesus built just the world he wanted. Eden, in the most literal sense, was the kingdom of God. When Jesus played, they played. When Jesus sang, they sang. When Jesus danced, they danced. When he ate, they ate. When he drank, they drank. When he walked in the garden in the cool of the day, they walked beside him in perfect community. It was, in every sense, paradise. Then came the day of violence. Adam and Eve took the garden by force. By the end of that day, they all wept together, Adam and Eve and Jesus, but no longer in harmony. Jesus wept because his kingdom had been ruined. Adam and Eve wept because they had ruined themselves. In all of us, there is the memory of what once was. 
the memory is so compelling and so pleasant that we constantly want to fix what's wrong and just go home. Perhaps if we could build a tower to heaven in Babel or make ourselves a golden calf or if we only had a king like all the other nations or if we sacrificed our children or if we bought indulgences to pay for our sins, perhaps then we'd find our way back to Eden. You see how a history of violence does strange things to us. It deforms us. In some way, it actually makes us subhuman. And we show the damage, all of us, though we show it differently. Being banged around has cost some of you your sense of purpose. Others of you have a ruined sense of what is right and what is wrong. Still others of you have grown numb to your own pain and the pain of others in your community. Still others of you are always unsatisfied, and there is nothing that you can do to cure yourself. Living a life of little whinings and little lies and little selfishness, those things that kill community and keep any hint of anything from sprouting once again in Eden. Though we all show the damage differently, we have one thing in common. Even our best efforts will never show the way home. But then comes Jesus and the gospel for today, humming a tune that sounds vaguely familiar, reminding us of a better place. Jesus giving himself to anybody who has ears to hear. His voice beckons, I'm back, come play. I'm singing, come sing. I'm dancing and eating and drinking and walking back toward the garden, and it's best that you do too. It is no accident that one of the most common things that Jesus Christ says is, follow me. He knows the way home. There will always be those in the church who refuse to play, sulking and complaining to their own ugly tune and hopeless dance. They are easy to spot, deformed and subhuman, out of rhythm with the Christian life. Jesus says there will always be those who on one day Complain that the baptizer is no fun because he prepares for the Messiah by fasting and prayer. And then on the next day, criticize the Messiah as a glutton and a friend of sinners because he comes eating and drinking and rejoicing. Those you will always have with you, says Jesus. But every once in a while comes a Luther who finds some hope in the Jesus way of things, in his voice, in his tone, in his rhythm, 
and in his promise of a new creation. Luther wasn't the first, of course. He calls Paul and the apostles and Athanasius and Augustine and Benedict and Bernard and all the rest his spiritual fathers. And Luther was not the last. You and I and much of the church Catholic call him our spiritual father. That is how community works. So against any tenor of the sad and the sulking and the vicious, Luther listened to the hum. Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone, the living viva vox of scripture alone, dancing when the music plays and weeping when the tears flow. Living as near to Eden as a man can live on this earth, near the altar, near the pulpit, near the font, slaying his own sins, even the victimless ones, with a self-examination so rigorous that he wore out Bugenhagen, his confessor. Luther living as the baptizer. Christ must increase, I must decrease. And in Luther, as the text says, wisdom is justified by her deeds. All gift, all Christ, and all forgiven. All lips and heart and hands, all talk and walk that matches his saying and his doing just as Jesus says and does, all utterly Christological, incarnational, sacramental, liturgical, and all utterly forgiven. Let me end this Reformation celebration with a plea for intolerance. I often say to my kids, There is enough evil in the world. Don't add to it. And today I say the same thing to all of you. What I'm pleading for in this community is a bit more intolerance. But it is a very specific intolerance. Learning to hate what Jesus hates and learning to love what Jesus loves and no more and no less. Singing as he sings, dancing as he dances, walking as he walks, speaking as he speaks, doing as he does. Neither pietist nor publican, but one who gladly does as told, welcoming Christ's follow me, follow me home to Eden. That's a reformation. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Amen.